Welcome to the Empowering Midlife Wellness Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with midlife women's wellness and creating the best second half of life. I'm your host, Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. I'm a board-certified gynecologist, certified menopause practitioner and hormone replacement specialist, as well as an ICF-certified life and leadership coach and lots of other things. So if you want to check me out and learn about my private practice and other offerings, my website is www www.drsusan.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-A-N.com. It's my commitment to stay neutral by not accepting advertising dollars from sponsors. So all of these episodes are offered freely. And the best way that you can help this podcast is to share it with your friends, leave a positive review, and also keep in mind this is simultaneously posted in video format on YouTube, where you can find me by searching for Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm talking about brain aneurysms, and that's a topic you might not think about very much, but we probably should since they are more common in women, especially women over 50, and between 2 and 6% of us are walking around with an unruptured aneurysm. I'll be telling the story about how my aneurysm was detected and treated. I'm doing great. And we'll be going over risk factors, what to look for, and how to prevent having a stroke or dying from a brain aneurysm. Hi, friends, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, I'm taking you on a personal health journey that has affected me. And first of all, I am totally fine and very healthy. But I want to share with you something that happened to me because it could be something that's really relevant for you as well. So... Some of you might know, I had two melanomas back in my 20s, and that's a really nasty type of skin cancer, actually the most likely type of cancer to kill young people. It's a very aggressive cancer. Luckily, mine were caught early, and long story short, since then, I've been religiously following up with my dermatologist, and so wearing sunscreen and all the things. But one of the things that I do, because I'm very privileged and I have the ability to do this, is to get an MRI of my brain fairly regularly, just as a screening test because melanoma does metastasize to the brain. And honestly, if I found out that I had melanoma in my brain, I probably would just quit work and go to the beach. Well, I don't have melanoma in my brain. I had an MRI at my favorite place, Advanced Body Scan. Now you guys might remember that's where I had my heart scan done, which was perfect a couple of months ago. And I do recommend for those of us who can, these screening tests can be life-saving. And I'm gonna tell you about my experience with that exact thing. So yes, my heart was perfect. I found out that a couple months ago, and then I went in to get my MRI because I don't have symptoms, insurance doesn't pay for it. Crazy, they only pay for it when you're really sick. They won't pay for it when you're well. Don't get me started on that topic, but yes, it is uh, something that Unfortunately, you have to pay for it yourself, but it's well worth it. So I did not have cancer in my brain. My brain looked great. No signs of Alzheimer's, no signs of other types of neurodegeneration because a very high level MRI like this can pick up even early signs of dementia as well as brain tumors and a shrinkage of parts of the brain, all kinds of things. So I passed with flying colors on all of those uh, particular topics. But what we found was that I have a significant sized aneurysm in my brain. Now, some of you might know an aneurysm is a dilation of the wall of a blood vessel. They can happen anywhere, but very frequently in the brain or also in the big vessel, the aorta, which is the primary artery that supplies everything. 
coming straight out of our heart. So an aneurysm is problematic because this weakness in the wall of the artery could potentially burst. So it's not very common that aneurysms are found by accident, which is the lucky thing about this story. I went in to have an MRI for some other reason, nothing else showed up, but we found this by accident. So there's no way you could ever have this very lucky thing happen unless you did a screening MRI. And so I'm a big fan for those of us who have the means just to do that periodically, as well as screening of your whole body. And then you can pick up things that are asymptomatic that you would not otherwise find until they are too advanced to treat. So aneurysms, we talked about dilation in the wall of a blood vessel. So it kind of looks like a balloon punching out the side of a blood vessel. I'll show you a picture of what they look like. And they can be very small or they can be very large. And obviously the larger they get, the weaker the wall of the aneurysm becomes and the higher the risk that they might break open. So aneurysms are often discovered when they rupture. So when an aneurysm ruptures, we get a terrible headache, often described as the worst headache of our life because blood is leaking into the brain and that is quite painful. Shortly followed by stroke, that could be loss of movement, loss of function on one side or the other, loss of vision, and then shortly followed by death. Not good, right? So these often are, for example, discovered, typical thing my neurosurgeon said is someone will say, I had sex, because our heart rate's high, our blood pressure's high, and it busts open, had sex, and then had a terrible headache afterwards, went to the emergency room, and if lucky, was caught early enough to treat. Or perhaps you're at the gym lifting weights or running on a treadmill, all of a sudden, terrible headache, lose consciousness, and on it goes. The degree of time that we have between the rupture of an aneurysm and death varies, of course, based on how much blood is leaking into the brain. And so a little bit might just give us a bad headache and we might have time to get to the ER and be treated if we live in a city with a very high level hospital. Because what sometimes happens is you might go to the ER if you're in a smaller town, say you have a headache, they kind of muck around doing various things. In the meantime, you're bleeding inside your brain. And by the time it's picked up, it's too late. So something to know that was not at the front of my mind is if you have the worst headache of your life suddenly, especially if it's right after or during some very high level exercise or activity like sex, lifting weights, exercising, do not take Tylenol and lay down. Do not wait. Go immediately to the hospital and go to a hospital if you can with a pretty high level of care. And this is if we're talking about having the worst headache of your life. It'll generally be on one side or the other, depending on where the aneurysm's located. And certainly if you're having any loss of function that would indicate that you're having a stroke, this is a very big emergency. So if we're blessed enough to find out that we have an aneurysm before it ruptures, like me, I was very lucky to be able to find this and I'm scheduled to have it treated in a couple of days because the doctor didn't want to wait. I found the best neurosurgeon in the world to treat this problem. Lucky me happens to be about eight minutes away from where I live um, at Baylor in the Texas Medical Center. You might not be so lucky to have someone so close, uh, but uh, Dr. Omar Tanweer is my fantastic physician. Have of his patients see him from other countries because if I lived in New Zealand, I would still fly 
and have them do this procedure. So when it's not ruptured, it's actually treated in a non-invasive way. A catheter is placed through the femoral artery, which is a big giant artery in your groin. And then under direct visualization using some fancy radiologic tools, a catheter is floated up that artery into the brain, into the aneurysm, or right into the vessel that feeds the aneurysm. And then a stent or a little tube is put in that vessel to keep it open and to bypass the aneurysm so that no more blood is flowing into it. So pretty crazy high level uh, non-invasive procedures that uh, these guys do. Uh, so now if it ruptures, you have to have your head opened up. Mm, not good, right? I do not want my brain opened up. And then frequently parts of the brain are not going to survive. So finding an aneurysm early is a really good thing. Sometimes they're really small. They don't need to be treated. They can just be watched. When they get past a certain size, as mine was, um, they need to be treated ASAP, like next week. <laughs> so I'm very happy this is going to be taken care of. I'm in the very best hands uh, with Dr. Omar Tanweer. He's the uh, head of the Neurosurgery Interventional Radiology Department at Baylor, so I'm in very, very good hands. Uh, this procedure is done with me asleep. It takes uh, just a couple of hours, and then they'll be watching me for 24 hours just to make sure that everything worked and that my brain's functioning. And then I can go home and pretty much go back to normal activities, which is really amazing. So the point of all this is that screening is critical to pick these things up. I'm a big proponent of preventative medicine tests. Don't wait till you get sick to do these tests. We do colonoscopies, we do mammograms, we do a heart scan to look for any early changes in the heart that could increase our risk of heart disease. Maybe add to that list, doing a scan of your brain and body to pick up any other changes that you do not know are there. So not to be alarmist, but these are quite common. So depending on who you ask, maybe 2%, maybe up to 6% of people have an aneurysm and are walking around with it like I am. Won't be for long, but as I am right now, it's still there. Uh, and more common in women, more common in women over 50. It is associated with certain health conditions, smoking, high blood pressure, of course, I don't have any of those things, so it can also just happen out of the blue. It can be associated with certain genetic conditions, but it can happen just completely out of the blue to someone like me with none of those risk factors. So I'm feeling extremely lucky. I'm gonna get this taken care of next week by the best doctor in the world, and I'm gonna be just fine. So think about screening tests. I'm gonna be following some of this adventure. Um, I'm gonna to try to take my video camera into the hospital and talk to Dr. Tanware a little bit about aneurysms and how to make sure you don't die from one. Um, and then I will be getting back to you about the surgery and my very easy recovery. I'll talk to you then. So I am recovering nicely. I'm here in the St. Luke's Hospital Neurological ICU. I think I'm the healthiest patient in here pretty low bar, uh, but everything went great. Uh, Dr. Tanweer did the procedure this morning. It took about two hours. I was asleep, felt like no time at all to me. They went in through the big artery in my groin and magically fed a catheter up into this aneurysm on the left side of my brain, put a little tube in it that blocks the blood flowing into the aneurysm, so it's completely cured, amazing. And I was able to do that with no symptoms whatsoever. So. As I mentioned earlier, the other story, uh, which might very well have happened, would be that I would have had a stroke or sudden death, 
we don't want that. So really good idea to do some screening for these things. And it's not on the list of things we think about a lot as women, but somewhere between two and 6% of you listening right now are walking around with an untreated aneurysm in your brain. So I would go check it out because if it doesn't rupture, you can feel like me and have a nice restful day in the lovely hospital. And I'm going to be going home tomorrow. I'll be able to do all the things that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And that's how it works. That's why preventative medicine is the key. Okay, well, I am back after my surgical procedure. This was just 48 hours ago and I'm back home. Went really well. So I was asleep for about two hours. They put a catheter in my femoral artery on the right, which is in your groin, as I previously mentioned. And then kind of amazing, it's fed upwards through the aorta, which is in the middle, over the aortic arch, up into the left side of my neck, and then into the area where this uh, aneurysm was located. They feed a wire or a guide up into that area and then deploy this stent, which is actually a tube with fenestrations or holes on it so blood can still flow through it, but not very much blood. So the aneurysm gets less blood flow over time and then eventually clots. And so that whole thing took a couple of hours. Really amazing. So in the not too long ago, old days, like very recently, they would have to open your head up to do this, but I was able to do it this way with no more than just a puncture in my groin. Now I do have to be on blood thinner, so I got some pretty big bruises, but I'm actually able to do most normal activities even as of today. So just going back into how important screening is. If I had not had this detected, I could have had a rupture, which could have led to a stroke or even death, and now I'm just fine. So just chalk that up to the power of preventative medicine. And then I'm gonna be talking to Dr. Tanware on Monday, just a few days from now, just to go over all of the details of the procedure, and I'm gonna be just fine. Now, one thing he did tell me is that if you've had an aneurysm, you have about a 20% risk of having another one because there may be something genetic or just something about my blood vessels that causes this to happen. So I'll have routine screening, but I will be just fine. And five or more percent of you are walking around with one of these right now. So go check it out. I'll talk to you in a minute and we'll be live from Dr. Tanware's office. So I'm here for my post-op visit with Dr. Tanweir. We're now six days after my procedure. As you can see, I worked this morning. I feel completely normal, which is really amazing because uh, tell me a little bit about the history of aneurysm repair. I mean, not so long ago, this would have been a major operation. Yeah, I mean, uh, where we've come from the first time that this was thought of as the source of these kind of violent ruptures of blood and these episodes where often people would just for lack of a better word, drop dead, mm -hmm. or they would just collapse and that's it. And, right. and they wouldn't know until autopsy that there was bleeding in the head. Since from that point, we've progressed to requiring these very long 10 hour surgeries to fix an aneurysm, to now getting things done within an hour and a half of a procedure, all minimally invasive, just a needle stick into an artery. And from there we can access pretty much the whole highway system of blood vessels in the brain get to where we need to do the repair and you're home the next day. Which is really amazing. And earlier on, I showed the video that you took for me during the surgery, but this is, I'm a physician and this is quite not as simple as you suggested. So you went in through the right side of my groin, up through the middle, aorta, over the top, up the side of my neck, 
this is this is pretty complicated. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Tell us about your training. I mean, this is something that you do all the time and takes a lot of experience. Right. Uh, so this, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of steps that go from it. And because you were a physician, it was very nice to go into the details that I normally don't get to tell people about the femoral artery to the aorta to the arch and making all these turns. Um, but this is a compilation of not only seven years of neurosurgical training, which involves all the you know, open procedures, cutting into the brain, doing the procedures, which we still do for about 10 to 20% of the aneurysms that can't be fixed using this minimally invasive approach. So you have to really understand that aspect of the brain and the anatomy and the blood vessels. And once you have that understanding after that residency, I then went on to do the fellowship part that was interventional. Um, and that's just our way of doing things minimally invasively. And um, it's just, it's just uh, in this day and age to have both tools available, whether you're going from the above inside the brain or from inside the vessels, I think it just leads to better patient care, better sort of tailoring treatments from person to person. This is not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Your aneurysm was very unique from everyone else's aneurysms. There's right. no two aneurysms that are the same. And once you have both the tools, all the tools you need, you can really tailor and you know <clears throat> give the right precision sort of answer into how to fix this particular aneurysm. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable that I would be back at work <laughs> six days after having this procedure done, but here I am and I feel completely fine. So, you know, as a women's health expert, I take care of women who are interested in keeping their health optimized. This is not something on our radar, I'll just tell you. You know, we're getting mammograms, pap smears, colonoscopies, bone density, maybe a calcium heart scan, all of these things. But very few people think about what's going on inside their brain. And I can tell you, I wasn't. As you know, I had this done for a different reason and it popped up. So you'd mentioned to me, this is sometimes how you find them. Maybe you're getting an MRI because you had another reason. So I was very lucky. What's your opinion about screening for these things? Because a lot of people are walking around with an unruptured aneurysm. A lot of you are, uh, as was right. I. Right, right. Um, you know, that's the tough part of, of uh, how we practice medicine is that we know that there's all these things that can happen, but when to look for something, when to not. Um, and your audience may not know, up to 3 to 4% of the, the people walking out there can have a brain aneurysm and not know about it. Now that's not to alarm everyone to run to their local MRI and get a scan. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, the recommendations are you don't need a scan or screen for an aneurysm unless you're having certain symptoms uh, or you have a certain family history. And so uh, very often, I think it's very important for people to be in tune with their body and if they're having their normal tension headaches they get before a busy meeting or a test, that's fine. But if it's anything out of the ordinary, definitely seek the opinion of your of your doctor. They may or they're going to evaluate you, decide whether or not you need an MRI. So often we're seeing people for the first time who had very odd headaches and whether or not they're related to the aneurysm is a bigger question, but often, you know, just working up a symptom. And sometimes the symptoms are subtle, blurry vision, but these type of things happen day to day as well. Um, a lot of it also depends on the size of the aneurysm and where they're located. They can cause different symptoms, but for the overwhelming majority, uh, aneurysms are sometimes called the silent killers because they're very silent. You don't know that you have them until they pop. 
And that used to be the most common way we'd find out about them, they'd rupture, but now nowadays people are getting scans for, for more reasons. Um, <clears throat> if you have a family history of aneurysms, so someone in your family has had aneurysms, that's a good indication for you to get tested. Um, there are other risk factors and certain diseases called, say, polycystic kidney disease or other collagen vascular disorders. These are disorders of, the, mm -hmm. of, of really the makeup of the blood vessels, uh, Marfan's or uh, Ehlers-Danlos. Those things are also associated with it. Um, but I think a good open communication with your primary doctor of your symptoms or your fears or, or discussions um, is, is a good place to start. But there isn't data to support that everyone, you know, should get an MRI. And I think the reason for that is because of the limitation of resources, the cost of all these things, the benefit, you know, to all of that. So for a global point of view, you're not going to get that recommendation. But mm -hmm. it's very important for people to be in tune to their body and their symptoms. Yeah. And it's something that you can do if you're privileged. Certainly not something that everyone can do. Uh, so I didn't have any of these risk factors. I'm healthy. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have any of the other things that you mentioned. So just to say, can happen to anybody. So I might have been one of those who has a stroke on the treadmill or doing a triathlon, uh, drops dead. So uh, what symptoms, so you mentioned headaches. So you had mentioned to me something interesting, like you'll see a patient sometimes who might have done a strenuous activity that elevates their blood pressure, maybe sexual activity or some type of strenuous exercise, and then they have a what happens, like a really bad headache? Yeah, and... yeah. So now we're talking about an aneurysm that's ruptured. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that are very difficult to ignore because when you have blood in your in your brain, there's an extreme uh, pain, inflammatory response. Um, I mean, not to scare you guys, but, you know, a third of the time it can be devastating, you know, yeah. lead to permanent disability or death. Right. Um, you're talking about the, the worst headache of your life. Worst, like, exactly. can't ignore it. So exactly. Don't lie down and take Tylenol. You go to the ER. Yeah. So most of the people, when it has a rupture, very severe headache. In fact, you you use the key term that's all over our textbooks: worst headache of life, or WHOL. We even have an acronym for it. Right. Um, and so, worst headache of life definitely needs immediate medical attention. Not, you know, call your doctor's office and stay on hold for you know 20, 30 minutes. But if it is indeed what some people describe as a thunderclap headache. Um, rush to the ER, that could be a sign of a ruptured aneurysm. Yeah. Um, they, that's still very uh, a situation that can be controlled. Um, when someone shows up to our hospital with a ruptured aneurysm, we drop what we're doing, um, initiate an emergency team, they get evaluated, find the aneurysm, and then do an emergency procedure. Um, except in your case, we scheduled it, and that one we do it the same day. Yeah, and which so, is not ideal, right? Because yeah, ideally, you want to yeah. be on blood thinners for a while, and yeah. this would probably take out the opportunity to do something minimally invasive. I guess now you're taking out part of somebody's skull, and exactly. that's a whole different yeah. scenario. Not yeah. going to be working five days later. Yeah, yeah, options are much limited. That's definitely not a situation you want to be in. Mm -hmm. The good news is that, you know, when these are detected early and we fix it, it really takes the chance of an aneurysm rupture off the table. And in fact, us as a field, we're getting so good at it that actually we're seeing the numbers of ruptured patients go down mm -hmm. because we're treating so many of patients already because of the recent technology. In fact, um, you know, uh, year by year, the technology is getting better. Um, the stent that we uh, used for you is a is a multiple generations later reiteration of what when these first came out in the 2007 to 2013 era, and so um, it's um, it's actually quite 
um, it's, 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 there's a, you know, a lot of these things come with a sense of doom and, 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 uh, it's very grim prognosis, but there's a lot of upside and positivity and, uh, almost a blessing in the disguise to find an aneurysm before it ruptured so you can get it fixed. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I can, I was so happy about the whole thing. Um, so we saw some pictures of what this looked like and it's about a two centimeter piece of fenestrated metal, right? Which means it has holes in it so that blood can still flow through. Mm -hmm. So that's in my head. I can't feel it. It's quite amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so so this was placed. And so for somebody like myself, am I cured? Is it, you mentioned there's a chance of recurrence in a different site. Like what, what would somebody, what's the follow-up for somebody like me? Because I'm perfectly fine now. This is not going to come back, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually that's how the majority of our patients feel. They feel like, uh, you know, after a few months, you're going to forget this procedure ever happened. You're like, oh yeah, I did have that week in August or, <laughs> right. where, where yeah, I, I needed to, yeah. Um, and that's what we want. We want you to feel exactly how you feel and, and, uh, but it is something not to forget about. So yes, we place this 20 millimeter, two centimeter stent that blocks blood flow from going into the aneurysm. Um, but we need to confirm in the next year or so that it's actually completely gone. Um, the good news is it has a very high efficacy rate. And once the procedure's over and you're doing well, very low complication rate as well. Um, and uh, the other thing you have to watch out for is that um, you, you're at a higher risk of developing a second aneurysm. Mm -hmm. So the area where we have the stent, that's clean, that's remodeled, um, that is reconstructed, uh, but you've got a lot of other um, areas of blood vessels that can develop aneurysms. So why it developed in your case as opposed to someone else's case, it's very interesting because you're very healthy, you don't have the risk factors that we associate with like cigarette smoking and diabetes and high blood pressure. And so um, it can happen to normal, healthy people. Mm -hmm. And what that tells me is there's probably a genetic component to this, something yeah. that's, you know, it's, it's nature versus nurture. And, and the nurture part of yours, the, the daily habits that you've developed are so healthy, it just doesn't always overcome your genetic, you know, what you're built right. with and what you're given. Yeah, so I think about that all the time. Yeah. I mean, what we know now compared to 20 years ago is night and day. So 20 years from now, we'll find out maybe I have some genetic condition, but whatever caused this one to happen is maybe still there. So I might get another one. That's really easy. So doing regular screening um, will be what I'm doing. And then if we catch it, we'll do the same thing again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it'll be a regular surveillance program mm -hmm. to make sure that if something else pops up, we nip, we nip it in the bud. Yeah. So how many strokes are caused by aneurysms? And most of them are not, of course, but... Yeah, so strokes um, on general uh, are... The most common stroke is when a blood vessel closes off for a variety of reasons. And blood can't get to your brain, and that part of your brain um, doesn't have oxygen blood, and that's a stroke as well. That's called, to be more specific, specific it's an ischemic stroke. Uh, the other stroke that happens from bleeding in your brain is hemorrhagic stroke. Mm -hmm. and that's so that about, would be what this would have been. This, is, yeah. this would have been a hemorrhagic stroke. Mm -hmm. So still under the umbrella of stroke, mm -hmm. but hemorrhagic versus ischemic. And that's a lot more rare, 10%. It doesn't get as much buzz or, 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 or kind of study as much as ischemic stroke does because that's a bigger burden. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole different ballgame. But um, this is all under the umbrella of stroke. And so we're talking about thirty to 40,000 ruptured aneurysms a year. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, proportionally a lot more ischemic strokes. So it's, it's, a big, it's a big burden. Yeah. So, so it's a, 
it's nothing to panic about or anything of that nature, but just another thing to be aware of. So my uh, hope is just to educate people about things that can happen, and this was a new one for me. So just wanted to thank you so much, not only for uh, treating me, but just for your knowledge and expertise in this area and helping to educate people about what aneurysms are and what the signs might be and to not lie down and take Tylenol if you have the worst the w-h-o-l right go mm -hmm. immediately yeah. absolutely and yeah. and you're fantastic i'm so uh grateful you're able to get the word out to people because <clears throat> that's exactly what aneurysm awareness needs is, is is the word out and uh you know you put a lot of trust in our hands and and uh to put your brain literally in our hands we don't take that lightly and you ask the right questions and and, and all those things and so we're we're very fortunate that that uh we got to work with you and um you know that, that you put all this trust in our hands we take we don't take that lightly and i'm still here yeah <laughs> and my brain's still working um, and yeah. in fact that was actually a you can't say probably that it's pleasurable to spend the night in the ic mm -hmm. but um, i think when you find out something early and you're able to treat mm -hmm. it, it is such a relief i didn't feel scared i didn't feel worried i knew i would be taken good care of i was just relieved that i didn't have what could have happened? I mean, so just to say, this is all good news, finding out this stuff. So I'm a big proponent of screening. I realize it's not for everybody, uh, but maybe it'll show up on a different test or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be seeing you again soon. Yeah, thanks absolutely. Thanks for everything. And you, you and your team are amazing. Oh, no, that's so nice to hear. Right. Thank and you. If you have one of these, if you live in New Zealand, you should fly to Houston. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Tanner will take great care of you, as he did for me. Uh, if you enjoyed this video, don't forget to subscribe. And I can't wait to see you next week.